Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, but we cause we can sense the move of your spirit in such a refreshing and peaceful way. Not just here, Lord, but we're trusting that even in the homes right now, our brothers and sisters and church family and friends can experience the peace that only comes from you. In this world of chaos, in this world where things are turned upside down, it is our relationship with you. It is your presence, Lord, around us, surrounding us, not just individually, but as a church and even as a community, Lord, that gives us that peace to be able to withstand the trial, hold steady, and even move forward, Lord, to the place of victory. So we thank you, Lord. We're grateful on this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God forevermore. You may be seated and are comfortable in your home. Thank you for being able to capture this streaming of the service today. Uh, we're so grateful that as we move forward toward the Christmas celebration, by tradition it's December 25th, so we're just days away from uh, being able to celebrate together what's so fascinating to me always about this particular date on the calendar that everyone celebrates. In fact, some people celebrate not even knowing why they celebrate. They just know that it's about gift-giving and a tree and decorating the home and maybe stopping by Rockefeller Center, which you can't do right now, actually, because of COVID. But everybody gets involved, and oftentimes uh, we can easily lose sight of the reason, of the purpose, of why we stop to celebrate Christmas. We don't get into debates about dates and all of that. We just grateful that we can take a day and and as a nation and as a world be able to focus on God loving mankind so much that he came and dwelt with us or dwelt, dwelt among us. And that is powerful when we think about an awesome God deciding to actually limit himself into this human body to come and dwell. And not only that, didn't come as a king, he came as a baby, very vulnerable. But that's the kind of love that God has for us. So Christmas yes, gifts are good to give and to receive, and the tree is wonderful to have, and the lights are wonderful to put up. And it's great, fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but it is really about the greatest love story that's ever been told, and that is God coming to dwell among us. And as we study all of the uh, complementary scriptures as we navigate through Advent, because we are in Advent, Advent is that moment when we're weeks before, Sundays before, days before, anticipating the arrival of baby Jesus or, the, or, or Christ, our Savior. And the, whole, and the manger scene, there are several things that happen in parallel to that, uh, into that biblical narrative that all lead up to that juncture point where they come together uh, to uh, celebrate the birth of our, our, our Lord and King. And one of them is a story of John the Baptist, or what we refer to often as John the Baptizer. Because when we hear that word Baptist, we sometimes think of denominations. But the Baptizer, John's call, John's purpose on earth, uh, and ministry function, if you will, if you want to use that phrase, was really to spearhead in baptism of water, which was a traditional entry point into Christianity, which even till this day, it's one of the things that uh, is a public demonstration of someone's uh, degree of faith in, t in Christ. 
and it's a sign of Christianity in our church. We, 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 we uh, perform or do officiate uh, water baptisms, and we look at it as an ordinance, something that was commanded of the Lord. But John was actually called the entire beginning and end of his ministry was specifically that. In fact, in many instances when you study John, um, he was even uh, confronted and got a lot of pushback from religious leaders about how can you, and even the large, large debate, which is amazing how when we come to faith, we get into debates that actually at the end of the road don't really mean too much. But back then, the big debate was, you know, not only why are you baptizing, what gives you the authority, what is baptism? But then, you know, even to the point of do we baptize just in the name of Jesus or do we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Those were the debates that were going on. All that aside, John the Baptist was a par parallel character in Scripture that we need to be familiar with when it comes to the story of the manger and the story of Christmas. And Luke uh, writes uh, specifically about John the Baptist and his birth. The other complementary Gospels do that as well. But I want to, I want to focus on Luke chapter 1. And it's so fascinating because John the Baptist's dad, his name was Zechariah, and his mom, her name was Elizabeth. Well, Zechariah was a priest. And what they would do is they would assign the priest uh, a certain time to come and be ministering in the temple. And they would do it in, in, in uh, an alternating form. You would be assigned for a certain period, and then you would have a time off uh, for a certain period. And, and Zechariah was in that cycle now of serving at the temple because he was a priest. And in, as it happened to him, his, he was in advanced age. So was his wife. Uh, an angel appeared to him and tells him, you know, by the way, your, your wife is going to have a child. And his name is going to be John. The, John. And, uh, and if you remember, I preached on this recently. And uh, his question back to the angel, well, you know, how is this supposed to happen? It, I, I just think it's fascinating. Here you are. You're praying, wanting, wishing something, and then when God presents it to you, all of a sudden you start to question the how is this going to happen kind of questions. But before we start getting on Zechariah's case, um, we are probably the same way as well, that we're praying to the Lord for some provision, some miracle, something that we want and need for him to do for us, and we're believing the Lord, and then when the Lord moves in his timing, to provide it, we go into, you know, what is really happening? Can I really believe this? Wait a minute, weren't you praying for it? We have to get to this point that we uh, receive the blessings of the Lord. But one of the consequences for Zechariah, because of him having doubt, because there was a, dis uh, a distinction between doubt and unbelief, he had doubt that this would happen, is that if you read the narrative in chapter 1 of Luke, now he was silenced. He couldn't speak. He became a mute Simply because he did not believe, because he doubted that this was going to happen. Now he was silenced. And I often wondered, why would God allow that? Well, you know, probably I think one of the things that I come up with as a conclusion is if the angel appeared to him and told him he was going to get the miracle, and now he doubted, and that's what he said to the miracle, I mean, I'm sorry, to the angel, Imagine what he would be continually saying to other people regarding something that he doubted about. So maybe the best thing is for his mouth to be shut so he won't continue to crush somebody else's dream and crush somebody else's uh, 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 longing for a miracle in their lives. But whatever the reason might be, the angel, uh, because he doubted the message of the angel, he was left to be mute. He could not speak. It says that... Um, uh, Elizabeth, when her time came to have the baby in verse 57, 
uh, she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and the relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and shared the joy because she was in advanced age. And then, according to custom, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. That's verse 59. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Now, that was traditional. That's what usually would happen. In fact, it even happens this day when we see many people with the last suffix saying uh, junior, right? He's, they're carrying their father's name. Uh, but they would do back then, and some people even do today, is they would insert at least that name. If not the main name, it would be a, uh, the middle name or some of the names of the father. This was how tradition, the generational tradition was carried on one from the other. And also you would honor previous generations. So it was almost assumed that here these two senior citizens have a child now. God had spoken before she became pregnant that it was going to be a son and his name was going to be John. That's what the angel told Zechariah. And according to the verses, Elizabeth might not have been aware that that's what he said, the angel, but certainly Zechariah was. So the custom was bring him on the eighth day, circumcise, and on that ceremony of circumcision, a circumcision, then we're going to give him the name of Zechariah, his father. But Mary, this is fascinating. I think there's another miracle in this, in this narrative. Mary spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Now watch why I say it's miraculous because the text does not say that she was even present when the angel told him, told Zechariah that his name was going to be John. And yet she understood the shadowing and she understood the impressions of God and her connection with the Lord and she emphatically went against tradition and said, no, his name is not going to be Zechariah. His name is going to be called John. And I like what it says in verse 20, in six, six, uh, 61 because I, I stopped there as well because I think this is an application for us. So she says, no, his name is going to, he is to be called John. Then she goes on in verse 61 and says, they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. And the reason they said that, because traditionally you would, if not pick the dad's name, maybe the grandfather's name, maybe another significant male in the family, you would take that name and put that name on. But now they push back to, to and I find this fascinating, to Elizabeth, and they tell her, wait, 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 why are you going to call him John? There's nobody in your family that has that name. You, you know what I learned from that? Sometimes to receive the full blessing of the Lord, we have to break with tradition. Sometimes in order to receive the fullness of God's plan, because John, John, before he was born, already God had a plan for him. He was going to be the baptizer, right? He was going to play an, a, a pivotal role in the appearance even of the, of, the, of, of the Messiah, of Jesus the babe, the Christmas moment. That's why it's connected to Christmas. And here Mary, uh, Elizabeth, I'm sorry, steps out and she breaks with tradition. Sometimes we have to break with tradition. Traditions are just things that we make a norm, that we practice over and over, generation to generation to generation. But there is no written code that it ha has to happen. There is no biblical imperative that it has to happen. It's, it's like people with the mistletoe. That's a tradition. Even the foods that people cook during Christmas time, all of that is based on tradition. It, wh why do you have to slaughter a, 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 a pig and make a, 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 a pig? Uh, uh, as the primary meat for, uh, as many uh, cultures do. There's traditions that we have. 
you know, why does it have to be a tree? That's tradition, lighting up. That's tradition. Sometimes we have to break with tradition to get the full blessing of God over our lives and over your lives. You know what? I'll give you an example. Just because your family was one particular religion, that's tradition, doesn't mean now that you've experienced the light of the gospel in your life that you can't decide to follow Christ and not the tradition of your family. Think about that for a moment. So many things we do because that's what our family did. And not that it was necessarily wrong, but when you come into this new moment of experiencing God in your life, and you're about to enter into the destiny, the plan and purpose that the Lord have in your life, listen to what they told Mary here. But wait a minute, there's no one in your family by that name. And Mary, I mean, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, I keep referring her to her as Mary. Elizabeth went on and she named him John. Why? Because that's what God said. I want to encourage you today, it is better to follow what God says than what tradition dictates. It is better to follow what God says than what other people say. Now, that's going to cause pushback. And you don't want to do it in an abrupt and a disrespectful way. But certainly, it is better to follow God's directive over your life, plan over your life, and purposes over your life so that you can receive the fullness of the miracle of God over your life. Praise the Lord forevermore. Uh, God has a new lineage for you. He has a new name. He has a new song for you. We need to follow what God is saying. Then we see here also in this narrative of the birth of John the Baptist that the very first miracle that John was able to execute. Now remember, this is the, the baby when, when, when they talk about uh, Elizabeth meeting uh, Mary and, uh, and Mary was pregnant of child and all of a sudden the child leaped inside of her. Well, this is that story, and we find here now the, the baby John still inside of Elizabeth's womb. Still inside of Elizabeth's womb. It says here, then they made signs to his father to find what, they would, what he would like to name his child. They look into Zechariah, and they knew he couldn't speak, and they were now ignoring uh, Elizabeth. Because they needed to know the name. She said it needs to be John. Now they focus on Zechariah because they just circumcised the baby and that's the moment that you want to name him. He can't speak. So Zechariah, according to the narrative, says, get me a tablet. I guess that's the first time that a tablet appears in Scripture. I don't know if it was an iPad or whatever, but it says a tablet. It actually says it in the text. I think it's funny. But get me a tablet. He meant the stone, uh, 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 writing uh, stone. And he wrote on there the intents of his heart. Then he says, then they made a sign to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Never mind what Elizabeth said. He asked for a tablet. To everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name shall be John. When he, when he wrote out his name because he could not speak his name, a miracle happened. It says that immediately his mouth was opened. The very first miracle that in John's journey was a miracle that happened while he was still in the womb. When even a word was not even spoken nor a prayer. And that was that now his father was able to speak once again. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God. And I like that. And I want to close with that last observation on this text. 
Because in his birth, when now his mouth was open, Zechariah didn't say, I can, I can talk again. Or he didn't say, of course, call him John. I don't want him to call him Zechariah or whatever. It says that once he got his voice back and when he, once he received his miracle, the very first thing he did was to praise the Lord. In fact, it says that he broke in a song. That's what the rest of that chapter is about. He broke in a song. I wonder what do we do when we get that miracle we've been praying for? What is the first thing that we decide we're going to embark on when the Lord fa finally answers that prayer for healing, a prayer for your fam uh, uh, an answer for your home, uh, to make a crooked road and path straight? What is our first reaction if we follow even Mary's song, the manifest? Uh, uh, the, the, the song that she sang when the Lord was, uh, was uh, uh, when the appearance of Christ that we find also in this text, by the way, of chapter 1. And now Zechariah breaking out in song. When Christ appears, miraculously appears in our lives, sets us on the path for purpose as he just did with John the Baptist, Zechariah broke out in song. May we praise God. Yes, enjoy the Christmas festivities. Enjoy the limited, and by the way, limited time that we're going to have with our families because we can't celebrate like before because of COVID. You need to be careful. I, I, we need to make sure that we take time and give honor and glory and praise uh, for the miracle of Christmas that we are about to celebrate in just a few days. That we stop and appreciate what took place. That as Zachariah was able to enjoy that miracle, he broke out in song, recognizing what God was doing. And the miracle that he received was really the birth of his son, the promise of his son John. But he understood as a priest the connection of John the Baptist and Christ the promised king. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word as we reflect on it and as we think through it and as we examine it more deeply and read it not in a rush but trying to discern what you're saying to us. We can see, Father, in this narrative, the story of John the Baptist, the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, the story of an angel appearing, the, the, the story of giving a name. We're seeing, Lord, how you deserve the glory and the honor always. Help us, God, that as we anticipate and move forward to the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ, that manger scene. Help us, Lord, to break out in a song of praise and worship and adoration. In Christ's name I pray, amen, amen. Isn't God good? God is wonderful. Praise God forevermore. Church, we're just a few days away now. from.